What's going on, everybody? I'm Johnny Brook from Crafted Workshop, back for episode number 40 of the Crafted Podcast. Podcast all about making stuff by hand, woodworking, metalworking, leather, electronics, and more. We put out new episodes every Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much everywhere podcasts are available. We also live stream every Wednesday night on our YouTube channel. You can just search for Crafted Podcast on YouTube and it should come up first. We have a great time there. You can live chat with us and we try to answer your questions if we can get to them. So uh, we also have a website, craftedpodcast.com, and that's where all of our show notes for each episode lives. And we also are on social media at Crafted Podcast. So uh, probably most active on Instagram, but Twitter and Facebook are all good platforms to get questions for us so definitely give us a follow there and also if you really dig the show leave us a rating on itunes a five-star rating is super super helpful and last we did start a patreon page a couple months ago and have added a 250 dollars goal uh, if we hit that goal we will add an extra show every week a weekend show so you can check that out at patreon.com slash crafted podcast we've got a lot of good support levels there weekly after show our top patron of the week is Make, Build, Modify, as always. And we have a couple new patrons, actually. Uh, we've got Steve House, uh, Made by Laurent, Keith Decent. What's going on, Keith? Awesome to have you here. And the man, the legend, Mark Spagnolo himself. So uh, that's, that's pretty crazy, considering I, I think I said on Twitter that I think I learned like 68% of my woodworking knowledge from Mark. So um, cool to have him as a patron. So... Uh, let me introduce my co-host. As always, I've got James Wright from Wood by Wright. What's going on, James? Oh, so much is going on. Thank you for having me tonight. <laughs> and I've got Zach Herberholz from ZH Fabrications. What's going on, Zach? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Good man, James. Your 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 intros are getting uh, almost erotic. It's uh, they they've really gotten gotten heavy the past couple shows, man. That's that's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. Um, Cool. Well, what you guys been working on? James, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I've been... Uh, well, I, I didn't work on the bench that much this week, so that was kind of nice. Uh, the bench is actually functional now. I'm, I'm building things on it. and uh, Actually, I'm, I'm building other parts for the bench on the bench, which is kind of a meta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But I'm, I'm playing with... Um, I'm, I've never really experienced, experimented a lot with planing stops. I always clamped them in the vise for all the planing, so I'm I'm making a couple different planing stops and uh, playing with those. Uh, that has been kind of interesting. But the the big thing has been the the shop remodel. Um, I've been trying to get all the things done in order to make the the shop functional. I'm trying to get my my office down in there, and so I'm doing a lot of construction. And um, <laughs> I've had a lot of comments recently of uh, Is that a Dewalt drill in the background of that video I see? <laughs> Like, yeah, I left it in there. Sorry, I should have moved it. <laughs> yeah, for home renovation, man, I think, uh, like, getting a bracing bit out to, like, hang yeah. any kind of, you know, whatever uh, things that you would need to hang, that would uh, that, that seems a little excessive. Yeah, my, I, I draw the line wherever I'm creating a video or not. And so, yeah, like, I, I've, I've put up a lot of the information that I'm doing for the actual shop renovation on the second channel. Um, and so there you get to see me using a drill and, um, I think that's the only power tool I really use though, but it's, I, I still get an occasional person chewing me out over there. Well, you really should have done, still done it with a brace and bit. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, there's no joy in hanging like French cleats with a brace and bit. Like, yeah. That's, that's insane. I mean, I can do it, but if I'm not doing it for a video and I'm not doing it for the fun of working on it, then I just yeah. want to, I want to build it. I'm doing it for the yeah. project as opposed to the, the experience. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. Yeah. The other, the, the cool thing that I did was a, uh, um, a carving, um, because I, I put up my whole back wall and I have all these slats and they're multicolored and I really like how it looks. The only problem is right in the middle of it is an outlet. It's like, you know, I'm a hand tool guy and there's just this big outlet in the middle of the wall. <laughs> That's funny. So I'm trying to find some way of covering it. And so um, yesterday I, I had this piece of walnut burl. It's about uh, a foot in diameter, um, a quarter inch thick, just this small cookie of walnut burl that I decided to carve my logo into. Yeah. So I that used that awesome, to, to cover it. How is carving the burl? Because I, I imagine that has a lot of challenges because of the insane grain. It's actually very easy. Um, it, really? It's as smooth as walnut, and walnut is a really nice wood to carve. Hmm. Um, nice. But because the grain is so interlocked and twisted, 
you're always going against the grain. You're always going with the grain. You're always going against the grain. And it doesn't really chip apart. It just it cuts smoothly in any direction. So gotcha. it's it, hmm. it's it's, it's fairly reliable. Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, the burl will usually be slightly harder than the regular wood, but walnut is such a, a fairly soft wood that it's it's fairly forgiving even in a burl. Nice. Hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Uh you got yeah, I guess that's it for that's you. About uh, it. Zach, what about you, man? Well, I'm a year older now. Uh, yes. Happy belated birthday, man. Thanks. <clears throat> yeah. It's, How uh, old are you now? I'm 33 years old. Man, ancient. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's. I think what's funny is I think I, I've been saying I was 33 for like the past six months. So it's like nothing really changed. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, That's funny. <clears throat> yeah, so that took up a day. And uh, <laughs> trying to think what I've been doing the last week. Uh, so, yeah, I just uh, finished up that desk that I've been building, the industrial one. Yeah, um, I don't have any. I have a, a picture of it before I did the top on my Instagram. Uh, it's all, like, distressed red. Uh, I think it turned out really, really well on it. Um, and uh, I just – so, yeah, that was before I finished the top. So I just finished that yesterday. And uh, drug the thing into the house so that I have shop space to start on the next uh, project. So that was yesterday. I was pretty much wow. just... Dude, how was moving that dang thing? <laughs> it's heavy. Um, yeah. I bet it's probably th- 250, 300 pounds would be my guess. Oof. Man. So, yeah. It's, it's about it's, the same uh, weight as a good Rubo. Yeah, <clears throat> seriously, man. Yeah, probably. I mean, if you've seen pictures of it, you'd understand it's oh yeah uh a bunch of three inch c channel steel and uh so but all in all i'm I'm really happy with the way it turned out it's one of those projects that like i really kind of want to keep but um i w- would rather get paid for it so i'm gonna sell it <laughs> but uh so Make another one for yourself maybe i mean i don't obviously don't plan on living here for too much longer hopefully maybe a year or so so i think once i get settled i'll build one it'd be an awesome like welding desk like to do if i put like a chunk of steel on the top or something oh yeah Um, that thing would be a ridiculous welding table and it really didn't take that long to build i know i've been working on it for a really long time but i had so many hang-ups and delays due to like waiting on tools and going everywhere yeah just like i mean it i really could have knocked it out quick if it weren't for all the the setbacks. Um, so yeah, yesterday I got that in the house and then spent the rest of the day, um, cleaning the shop to the best of my ability. So it's the cleanest it's been for months. And, uh, today I was going to get started. I have to have this table done. I'm doing a, a dining table for somebody and I have to have that done. Um, I think by like the 22nd, they're having like some party or something and they need the table by then. So, um, <clears throat> so I went out today and I got six by six, um, uh, steel tubing, which doesn't sound very big. I mean, that sounds huge to me. That sounds like massive structural steel. It is. It's like, I mean, to put it in perspective, it looks like almost the size of somebody's head. Like that's yeah, how, <laughs> like that's how enormous. big it, it, it is around. And it's, it, it's, so I got a 24 foot, it cost me, and I get a deal on this stuff. I spent 230 bucks for Man. 24 feet of this stuff. How thick Jeez. is the wall? Uh, I think it's 16 gauge. Oh. And it is so heavy. They cut it into eight, eight foot pieces and they like pulled the forklift up to the back of the truck and then pushed them in the back of the truck. And uh, <laughs> so I drive home and... I, I like go to grab it and like pull it out of the back of the truck and nothing happened. <laughs> like, <I> just <laughs> the truck rolls so, backwards. Yeah, yeah pretty seriously. much. It was seriously. So each, I bet each chunk of, of that steel is probably 120, 100, yeah, probably 120 dude. pounds, maybe. What are you going to cut it with? Is it, I guess, I guess angle grinder, right? Cause the <clears> throat on your saw probably doesn't cut. Well, six plasma. Six. and here's where, here's the tricky part. So it's like an X brace. Uh, cross yeah. brace leg lots of angles. so i have to cut that at like probably i don't know like 
60 degrees or something like that. Mm. So there's no way I can cut it on any like no. convenient tool I have. So what I'm probably going to do is draw out the silhouette of the angle and cut it out on my plasma cutter. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I we'll see how how close I can get it. I'm a little bit I have a little bit of anxiety about that whole process, but I mean, I think <laughs> even if it's a bit uneven, I'll just make a jig because I'm going to weld a plate on the bottom of it. So as long as I can have a, a jig that sits it at the correct angle to the base, then I can yep. weld the plates on and fill in any inconsistencies. So it's going to be welded smooth. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really not that big of a deal, but I've never done anything like this before. So, so I have anxiety about, especially with the timeline and the 22nd, you know, that's a lot of time, but what, uh, I think on the 10th, I'm going to Cincinnati for like four days and then I get back from that, and I have two days, and then I'm going to Nashville for this DeWalt oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. So, like, that takes out – so I really only have, like, six days, seven days working Ooh. time to get this whole thing, like, out the door. So, What are you going to do for the top? I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> two by uh, tens, baby. It's, like, well, the easiest top ever. Yeah, I don't know. Um I really like working with Ash. That's what I did on the um, the yeah. the desk build, and that ended up being like quarter sawn, which was kind of neat. But yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about the top once they decide if they want like the rustic thing. And I, I just kind of do things one piece at a time. Like once I get started on the legs, and that's under, you know, underway. That'll take away the anxiety. Then I'll start thinking about what kind of top would look good on it, and then I'll send them a few. Uh, things I have in my mind and just because if I try and solve all of the problems right now before I get started it's just going to take me longer I just need to like dive in and chip away at it so and then I need to go to Fastenal and see if I can get like some two and a half or two inch diameter uh, steel rod that's like five feet long which Man. won't be cheap either that's going to be mega expensive dude that's yeah uh, I had to buy a bunch of that for uh, not even close to that thick it was like three quarter all thread. I mean, I bought it at Lowe's, but man, that stuff was stupid expensive for that uh, those set of coffee tables I built for my mom. How long was uh, the rod? Uh, I think they sell them in four foot sections. So. Do you know roughly how much that cost? Thirty. Bucks. I think they were like twelve bucks a pop at least. Oh, that's not too bad. I figured. I I figured I'd I'll be in at like a hundred bucks for the just the rods. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Nice. We'll see what happens. So. So yeah, that's what I have uh, coming up. Um, excited to get that underway, and it's just it's been crazy, man. I've been like traveling so much. We had Oklahoma, and then I just got back from Jimmy Duresta's place, and then I got Cincinnati, and then uh, uh, Nashville. It's just yeah, it's it's crazy. It's hard to get like it's hard to get a groove established. Like I oh yeah, you know, traveling even, is just sucks the life out of you. Yeah, and it's funny when I was young, I used to you know, I was like oh that's I want a job where I'm on an airplane all the time and traveling and <laughs> yeah i mean i like uh i like traveling but i don't like the, the airport and the it just well, it screws up your fun, route not for half yeah the- traveling for business is zero fun man i, I had to do a lot of that and it, it gets so old i mean fortunately my work or our work is fun yeah, so when it's, we yeah. travel it's awesome i mean but, and, you know and the the other problem is like i never give myself enough time so like I'm going like the thing in you know the thing I'm doing in Nashville it's for Dewalt so it's like I'm going there for two days and then I'm coming back and I'm like my uh, my wife's coming with me but like I'm probably not going to have any time to do anything I really should have like booked I should have stayed there another day or two so yeah yeah do do would be worthwhile and you should see how much it costs to bump up your. Uh... Leave date. That would be. I wonder if they. We could have some fun in Nashville. I mean, I can't imagine it'd be more than like a hundred bucks. I mean, considering you're yeah. going for free, even if you had to cover it, that would be. Yeah, that's possibly true. Well, worthwhile. the other thing is like that table, man. <laughs> oh, I know that's true. Now that you've got a, a project with a deadline, that's uh, <laughs> yes. That kind of changes the leisure time in Nashville aspect. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I would have been done with this thing. I would have. I was actually planning on having it done by now, but with all the hang-ups and the delays on my last project, it really yeah 
And, and the issue I have is shop space. So like, oh well, yeah. I, who can build two tables or you know exactly. a large desk and a large table simultaneously? I mean, that's yeah. that's tough. I already like had to park my motorcycle outside for a week, like when yeah. I, after I got the frame together on this last one. So it's it just wasn't even an option. So yeah, uh, I think that's uh, pretty much everything that I've been up to lately. Nice. Well, I have uh, been working on. I just knocked out real quick these uh, tap handles for my Make Magazine video for this month. Um, Keith, uh, Heath Knuckles uh, sent me a, I guess he calls them hybrid blanks. They're a resin, and this one was a maple burl that's stabilized. So really cool blank, this red kind of swirly resin and just beautiful maple burl. And uh, it's it was like three inches by three inches by like five inches. So I figured it'd be perfect for like four tap handles. So cut it into four pieces on the bandsaw and then started turning some handles. And man, that stuff made a freaking ungodly mess. It was ridiculous. Like that uh, <laughs> that resin just chipped out like crazy. I don't know if I didn't have my RPM high enough on the lathe or whatever, but uh, it was just spraying me with resin chips and then when i finally got it relatively smooth then it was just like creating this like resin spaghetti you know if you've ever watched like peter brown every time you know when he turns resin it's just like flying all over the place in this like spaghetti looking mass and it was uh it was crazy i mean i have red flecks of resin all over my shop and um but i'm really happy with the way the handle turned out i'd never turned resin before um, so it was kind of interesting, even the burl, since it's stabilized is almost like, you know, I don't know what percentage resin, but it, it still turns kind of like it is resin, but it was really fun. Uh, I only turned one of the kind of set of four I'm going to do. Um, I did find that trying to use a threaded insert in the resin did not work. Like I, it was, a uh, you know, three eighths dash 16 thread what i don't know how you say that but that's like the standard thread for tap handles and so i drilled like a half inch hole like slightly smaller than the threads on the insert and when i tried to thread it in it just broke up the resin into these you know cracked up little pieces and totally did not work so i had to drill a hole that was larger than the threaded insert and then just epoxy it into place and that ended up working but uh yeah, so Paul in the live chat, Paul the Wood Knight, uh, if you don't subscribe to him, definitely check him out. He was asking what I was turning with. Yeah, I, I did turn with carbide tools, so that could have been an issue. He said that he's found that resin doesn't really like carbide tools, and that's that's all I have as far as turning tools. So that's what I was doing. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty fun, though. Really happy with the way it turned out. Um, used like the micro mesh system to kind of sand it up to a ridiculously high grit, like, you know, some multiple thousand grit, uh, and then use this friction finish to really give it a nice shiny look. And it looks awesome. So happy with the way that turned out. Um, been working on these chairs, man. I, I know that's been like the everlasting project for me, but, uh, mostly just because I've been avoiding them, honestly, but I am finally, really really in the home stretch so i am uh almost done i got all of the joinery cut today for all of the like the backsplat like rails i guess and then there are also these kind of decorative vertical rails on the sides of the chairs got all that joinery cut with uh my hollow chisel mortiser and basically after we finish up here i'm going to go down and get some of the pieces of the chair in the clamps gluing up and then tomorrow we'll finish gluing up and then doing a ton of sanding and I should be ready to apply finish. So man, I am so pumped. Uh, yeah, that'll be Tuesday's video. So it's going to be an interesting video because, you know, I did create a 3d model for the chair, but I mean, it's not going to be particularly useful to anybody. I don't think like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, it would be a good reference, but if you wanted to like rebuild this chair, 90% of the stuff I did was just taking measurements off of the existing chair and kind of like the backrests I traced onto my piece of wood and same with the, the leg. That's how I got the shape was just tracing it onto a piece of plywood. And that became like the router template. So, um, it's going to be a weird one for me because it's going to be, like there will certainly be a how-to aspect to it, but I think it's mostly going to be walking through the process of 
trying to build something that already exists. And it was super challenging. Um, definitely the most difficult thing I've built to date. Just so many, so many parts. I mean, each chair has like 10 of these decorative rails on the sides and then seven of the rails on the backsplat and just a ton of pieces. And, uh, you know, it's all quarter sawn white Oak and just annoying to work with for the most part. Cause that stuff just wanted to splinter out on me at every turn. And, you know, it's cut, my hands are all cut up and stained black from the tannins in the Oak. And it's been, uh, it's been trying to say the least. So that's why uh, I love I, Oak. Yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it's been interesting, but I mean, they, they are looking beautiful and I cannot wait to put the finish on them. I think they're going to look really, really cool. That's going to make the kind of the quarter sawn figure, the Rayflex kind of pop. And, uh, yeah, that should be, should be awesome. So hopefully fingers crossed, I should be spraying finish tomorrow afternoon. So, um, that's kind of insane. These, these chairs have been it's been like my albatross hanging on my shoulders for the past three months. So really excited about that. So those chairs are so cool looking. Thanks, man. I, I, I love the style of those. Yeah. It's interesting. They're, they're, they're not like the whole mission style is not like my thing as much, you know, obviously more mid-century modern stuff, Danish modern stuff, but there are cool chairs. I mean, they're, they're, well, they're really so comfy. much. They're so much different. I mean, when you when I think of like mission chairs, I think of like the super like blocky, cumbersome, like almost like caveman looking chairs, you know, that are super heavy. But those those are actually kind of like sleek for for like yeah. mission style. Yeah, they are. And I mean it you know, it didn't have I mean, in typical mission fashion, not a ton of angles. I mean it unfortunately, since it's a chair, there are angles just kind of as part of it being you know a chair it just has to have angles so um you know i think most mission furniture is probably a little easier than this um just because you know the curved backrests and having to do the you know the the joinery on a curved piece was really kind of tricky uh, lots of lots of layout lines and but once i had that it was you know just lining I didn't it up think with, of that yeah yeah that was uh that was really the thing I was most stressed out about. Um, that and then like the compound miters meeting up with the the bot the back leg like splays out uh, at the bottom, and so where the you know bottom stretcher meets, it's both flaring out to the side of the chair, but also having to meet that angle of the back leg. So it's a compound miter, and having to do that with dominoes was just wrapping my head around everything was the hardest part. You know, it's like once I figured it out in my brain, executing it wasn't that difficult, but it was just breaking down this finished piece into manageable steps. And, uh, it was You're making it was me feel like I need to make a, uh, mid-century modern piece now. Cause you've been in my wheelhouse for a that while. That would be, uh, that'd be awesome, man. I'd love to see your take on that. <laughs> you seem to, you seem to be able to get walnuts. So that's, I think so step one. Did you, um, on those, since the, uh, joinery on the, like the curved, uh, backrest support mm -hmm. that you're talking about. So did you actually cut, did you cut the tannins and then did you even use tannins? Yes. Yeah. So what's interesting is those back, the, like the back splat rails are only three quarter by three quarter. So, you know, traditionally I would have used my domino for like everything, as, as I typically do, um, which would have already been a little awkward since again, it's on a curve, but I think I could have made it work. But since you, it's only you're talking about, bits, you're talking about the horizontal. Oh, I'm talking about one. the, the vertical back splat rails. Oh, okay. what, what, what are you talking about? I think those are, I think, I think styles are. Okay. Yeah. I keep okay. calling them rails cause they're thin and long, but yes, I think <laughs> they are styles in the, you know, you know, rail and style of a door kind of sense. Um, but yeah, but did, so did you cut yeah. the tendons first and then round the, okay. No, cool. no. So I used oh. a hollow chisel mortiser for the mortises. So those cut, that cuts a square hole. So I just cut square tenons on those and, uh, at the table saw with a dado blade and then use the hollow chisel mortiser to cut the mortises and it cuts a square hole. So I didn't have to round it over or anything. Hmm. So, 
That cool. tool, man, I picked it up for like 200 bucks off of Craigslist, and I don't know how I would have done this without it, honestly. It would have been... I, I don't think I could have, because, um, you know, I just had a 3 inch bit in my hollow chisel mortiser, and that creates a square hole. And basically, I just made sure the curved section, wherever the joint I was cutting, like had it flat against the back of the fence on the hollow chisel mortiser and it, it worked out well. And, uh, yeah. So the backsplat styles, I guess, uh, really, it, it was something I worked up in my head to be this like impossible thing that I was going to have to spend forever doing. And I probably knocked it out in like less than an hour. So <laughs> that's, I, that's so common though. I think that's something that's yeah. willing to address is like, <clears throat> it's the same thing that I was just talking about with, uh, cutting those angles in that six by six. Like I've never done it before. And like, I'm building it up to be this big thing and I'm kind of like putting it off. Like I should have started yep. this oh, yesterday, but yeah. I, I should have done it yesterday. It's been but me all week. I've been be, like doing everything I could to not work on these chairs. Yeah. But because it's something that is like kind of new and I have a little bit of anxiety on it, like subconsciously I'm trying to find other things to do. And, and in reality, when you like just do it, you'll get a lot of the times you'll get it done three times faster than you expected. You'll be like, Oh my God, that was, that was easy. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and I mean, especially since, I mean, these pieces are 23 inches long and the tenons are only three eighths of an inch square. So even if the, like, even if they're like slightly twisted or out of line, there, there's enough flex in this long three quarter inch piece of wood that, it just didn't matter. Um, so, you know, it, it just, at the end of the day, it, it all came together fine. And, uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited to get it glued up because that's going to be like <laughs> officially it's put together. Nothing is wrong. I didn't miss any, you know, mortises and figuring that halfway through the glue up and that kind of stuff, which I guess kind of leads into our show topic, um, <laughs> which is learning to screw up and fix it. And you know how we've kind of, uh, you know, gotten better at handling mistakes during our woodworking journeys. And, uh, yeah. So I think one of my biggest screw ups, which was kind of, you know, why I was thinking of the glue up was when I was building that organ cabinet, I put together a couple pieces uh, backwards uh, for the bottom of the cabinet. It didn't really matter because they were the same one way or the other, but the domino mortises I had cut were on the wrong side now. So when I went to put the whole thing together, there were no holes where there needed to be holes and already like half of the base was, you know, glued up and had glue on it and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, I have it on camera, but I am... So in such a frantic, like <laughs> awful state that I don't think it will ever see the light of day. But, uh, I was just losing my mind having to drill domino mortises while the glue was drying. And, you know, it's like, just, it was crazy. I think crazy. we should do maybe, maybe the, here's what we should do. I'm thinking, cause I have a few like outtakes and things that I've recorded that <laughs> haven't quite made it into my videos. Yep. What if we did that as a Patreon or a patron thing? Like if we made a video <laughs> That'd be awesome. that we <laughs> just all put all of our outtakes in. Yeah. Yeah. That would be pretty good. I mean, <laughs> I, I think a just general like YouTube maker uh, blooper reel would be hilarious because you know that every of one of us oops. has a ton of footage of us screwing up, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just... <laughs> I know the making it guys had talked about it you know some episodes ago, and I mean the only issue is a lot of times they're very embarrassing because I think a side of yourself comes out that like I mean I know I personally I don't like that side of myself I'm you know that's that's what makes it mind. funny though I mean yeah. the thing it it's not like it's not like we're submitting this to like our future employers <laughs> well, we <laughs> are our like, future employers so well. Well, yeah, but I mean, um, I think, I think people would, cause I think anybody that watches our videos can relate with that. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's like it, I don't care how like even keel or like what your temperament is. You can empathize with the frustrations that come with doing what totally. we do for a living. And I think yep. 
like I'm imagining like some of the people that I like to watch, I'm imagining them flipping out on camera and I think it would be hilarious. <laughs> like Well, the person I always reference is Matt Cremona because especially when I was watching him build his bandsaw mill, like there were so many moments in his videos where I would have just lost my mind and he somehow just kept on trucking, you know, like when, especially like, I think he was applying the, the black, like weatherproofing paint and that stuff was just like molasses and dripping everywhere and making this ungodly mess. And he had like the stir stick and it fell out on the ground and, you know, just like all these things that, and it was freezing cold outside. You know, he had his ridiculous parka on and, you know, just all this crap that would have made me lose it. And he's just, you know, being Matt giggling, you know, it was just like, I don't know. So yeah, I I think it would be really interesting to to see people's responses to their mistakes. The crazy thing is he's like that in person. When I was up there welding his, his, uh, gantry together because we we built the the frame that rolls and the heads mounted onto and we welded it all up and everything was going great and we did the the final brace welding on it not thinking that all of the brace welding is on the inside of the arch so it clamped this whole thing down like three inches Um, amazing amount of movement and now it won't move at all with both of us pushing on it and everything's falling apart and it's the end of the day and i'm like i'm like freaking out and he's like oh yeah it's okay (laughs) <laughs> we'll get it it's uh it's impressive it's i mean i i have a lot of respect for that dude because he just keeps his keel but uh yeah he keeps an even keel i, th- I think it would be really cool though to see a video of that so um we could we could start the uh you know start the ball rolling that would be pretty funny uh, that would be I've neat one... it, it'd be cool because you know if we could get a lot of the other people to collect and submit their stuff yeah, yeah, it'd be fun. So, James, you have a mistake you want to talk about? Yeah, I've got one that I did just a couple weeks ago. It's actually on the bench. Um, I one of the problems with hand tools is planing things to a consistent thickness, and I kind of made the decision on this rather than planing all of the laminations for the top into a consistent thickness, I would instead just plane them flat and smooth. And just make the assumption that all of the inconsistencies over the course of 24 boards would eventually even out, and it would be somewhere close to meet what it needs to be. And if it was a little off in the end after I clamp it all together, then I would just parallel out the back of the the bench with the front of the bench. Um, unfortunately, I didn't realize that I had a a natural propensity to take more material off of the end of the board closest to me than on the far end. And I clamp it down to find out that one end of the bench is um, one inch uh, shorter front to back than the other end. Whoa. And so over the course of 27 boards, I took an inch out of the boards on one end. <laughs> wow. Man. <laughs> um, and I didn't notice until there was glues on, glue on it and I was clamping it all together. Yeah. And so, you know, what do you do at this point? It's, uh, it's, you know, the, I have to make sure that the front and back are parallel because I have to put the legs on and put the stretchers between them. And, um, what do you do? So I basically, all I did was thickness plane down one edge of it, um, so that the front edge of the, the bench, the front board is running right along it perfectly straight. But on the back, they all start, they all start to taper off. And it ends up taking off at one end. I took off two boards worth, and at the other end, I didn't take anything off. So that um, if you're looking at it from the end, it looks like the face board, which I then put on the two walnut face boards after the main lamination. Um, so it looks like that board is running at an angle because it's cutting through the ends of all these that have been cut off. And uh, so it, in the end, it's not a problem, but it's one of those things that it's going to drive me crazy for the rest <laughs> of my life. Yeah, you stupid! Oh, Why didn't you actually? You just them? flipped around every other one too. That probably yeah, would have yeah. Solved well, your no, because then it, it probably would have been fat in the middle. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. But <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, yeah that's. Those, it, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to be saving time on this because it, it probably would have saved me, you know, two or three hours worth of planing. 
yeah. rather than actually thicknessing all of them down. Man. And uh, it, it it saved me time in the long run, but the, the bench is going to... I already have comments because I put the row of dog holes down it, and the row of dog holes is perfectly in line with the sides. But it, the row of dog holes runs through two different boards as it gets yeah, it looks, goes from one end to the other. Looks crooked. <laughs> so I've already had a comment. Why did you put the row of dog holes on an angle? That's my man. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's one time when uh, having power tools is uh, nice. Cause yeah, you don't you, have to think about parallel. Yeah, it's it's automatically parallel when you stick it through the planer, man. That's uh, that's funny. Yeah, if I had a shop, I'd buy a a joiner. Yeah, it's it's. It's the tool I use on every single project without fail. It's I mean, I, the, I can get by, you know, obviously I can get by fine with uh, hand planes. But, like, the other day I had to use my, my hand planes for something. And, uh, like, every blade and every – like, I just needed to use yes. them for just a minute. I just, like, I needed to, like, to joint one edge of, like, a six-foot-long board. And it was pretty close, but it wasn't close enough for a nice glue-up. So I'm like, I grab my seven, and I'm like, oh, this is dull. I grab my six. Oh, this needs sharpen. I grab my five. I'm like, ah, I can probably make this work. I'm like, nope, this one's got a chip out of it. I hit a, a staple or something. So I was just, it was just one of those moments where I'm like, come on. It's just frustrating. So all of, all of my planes need to be sharpened right now, and I just don't feel like taking the time to do that because yeah. I'm not a wizard like James who can just do them freehand. I can, I can get them decent freehand. I mean, I can get them usable, but that that's there. There is no usable. I feel like it's a horseshoes, hand grenade situation. Like you. Yeah. It's, well, especially you if you're close, if you're jointing a board and you get tear out and that's in the seam on like, especially like a tabletop or something. And then yeah. you have a big chunk missing in the seam and yeah, it just of all the places to have tear out, that's one that's really kind of matters, you know. Like, or doesn't it, it? Just you can tell, you know. It's not not one you're gonna be able to uh, get rid of as easily. So that's funny. So what what big mistakes have you made in the shop, Zach, and and recovered? Like, what what projects come to mind when you think of that? You know. That's a good question. I make, I know I make a lot of mistakes. Um, but the good news is, is I can't think of anything that I've done that wasn't salvageable. I I don't think any of us can. That's, that's the kind of redeeming factor is that the materials we work with are very fixable. Well, I think there's also a mindset to that. And there's a lot of people who will make a mistake and they'll just throw their hands up and throw the whole piece away. Whereas then there's the mindset of, I make a mistake and, well, I guess this is a reason to improvise, to do something different. Yeah, I mean, there's... there's a design feature. Yeah. (laughs) There's pretty much always... Yeah, there's pretty much always a way to save it. Like, I make mistakes all the time and... uh, But I can't... But none of them come to mind because I've, like, made them work somehow. Like, so I can't think of any, like catastrophic failure where I had to scrap something and start over. I mean, it's wood. If you screw it up, you can cut it and glue another piece on. <laughs> or if it's metal, you just yeah weld it back together. I mean, yeah. like, so the other day I thought I made a big mistake. <clears throat> um, I thought when I was drilling, cause I drill like, uh, for a lot of the times for the tabletops, you guys know those like threaded ferrules, like that are mm-hmm. you you drill a hole in the wood and you thread it in and it has threads internal as well so that you can yeah you know so you, yeah it's uh oh oh I lost the feed there for a second um so that's how I, I join a lot of my uh, tabletops to metal is I I screw those things into the bottom of them and then I put the bolt up and it screws into that threaded eyelet uh-huh. so the other day I thought for like a millisecond when I was, I got everything sanded this is like the last step before putting the finish on. And I thought that, Oh my God, I drilled these into the wrong side of the top of the table. <laughs> so, but even in that split second, like I had to take it back and make sure, and I did it right. But even in that split second, I was like, Oh, I could just put dowels in there. And you know, yep. if I, if I screwed it up, I could just, you know, I could figure out a way to make it work. 
Yep. It's always fixable. I mean, I, I had that moment of terror today when I was cutting for those, you know, the decorative styles on like the side of the chair. You know, obviously there's an up, like on the bottom stretcher, I have to have the holes on the top of it. And on the top stretcher, I have to have the holes on the bottom. And I had laid out all the lines on the wrong side on the top ones and like was just about to start, you know, cutting the holes. And I was like, wait, that should be on the other side. So, you know, the most annoying thing was having to do like all the layout lines again because that just takes, you know, that takes longer than cutting the joinery half the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's so easy to do, man. One of my biggest almost errors was when I had just gotten a track saw and I was building that conference table. It was my first commission piece ever, walnut conference table with a steel base. And I had <laughs> the saw on the wrong side of the track. And so I was trimming, <laughs> I was going to be trimming the table to length. <laughs> and so instead of cutting like an inch off, I would have cut like a foot off. And man, that was, that was almost the worst moment of my woodworking career. I, I, it was literally on and running and I was about to start plunging. I'm like, wait. This isn't right. Like uh, this, this blade is in the wrong place. How so. that's like it, it's <laughs> funny. Like because sometimes you're just absent-minded and you do things without thinking about them like that. Oh, so yeah. like just the, like lining the track up on the wrong side of the like how <laughs> and the Dewalt tracks dumb? are reversible. That's the worst thing. Like on festival, yes. yeah. you can only put it on one side of the track, so it would be kind of hard to screw that up. But but like how DeWalt, dumb would you feel yeah. like oh, doing dude. that? Because <laughs> like they had a very you know of course it's a custom conference table, so it being a foot short wouldn't have been acceptable. And I would have had to redo the entire top or figure out some sort of way to join them, like splice them together. But it's a tabletop, so that would have been really sketchy. You could have, uh, could have like maybe cut down the center and put <laughs> inserted yeah. inserted the Made ends it a folding conference table or some stupid crap. I don't know, man. It was. Uh, it, it would have been, been interesting for sure. It would have been interesting. That was uh, that was almost a massive, massive error. Um, yeah, that's uh, one. And the other, the biggest one was when I grabbed the white spray paint instead of the clear spray paint for the jackstand side tables (laughs) and added the white stripe to the top. But then like that was, that was the design. That actually, that, that was actually, uh, what's there, isn't there there like a ridiculous word for discoveries by accident? Oh yeah. It's not onomatopoeia, is it? No, I think that's like, that's like a noise or something. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody will chime in, I'm sure. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, discovering things by accidents that, that I think on those, those little end table jack stand things that you did, I think that actually serendipity. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't near as strange of a word as I thought it would be. Thanks Boone. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, those, the stripes on those things totally like that made the piece. Yeah. It was uh, it was one of those things, and same with uh, that the desk I built uh, back then. It was like the first or second welding thing I ever did. I welded one set of the legs backwards, and I was like, "Well, I guess the legs don't necessarily need to match." And so, like one leg, the triangle was like this, and the other one, the triangle was like that, and so they just you know opposed each other and almost created this cool design, you know, element. And I just rolled with it because, you know, once once I had welded the whole thing, it wasn't like I had just tacked it. I had run a full bead on like, you know, quarter inch thick steel tubing and there was no going back at that point. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's that's how you learn. I did one on my uh, my large dresser, uh, the stretchers at the back well the the stretchers are along the bottom actually cross each other. So the tenons go all the way through the legs and they cross. So in order to actually make them cross inside the leg, um, I made one of the stretchers, the tenon is on the top and one of the stretchers, the tenon is on the bottom. So they're only half size tenons that go all the way through. Well, on the back stretcher, I accidentally put the tenon that went all the way through on the wrong, on the, the top or bottom, I remember which it was. And didn't realize it until after the tenon was completely cut. And so it was like, well, um, 
it's a through tenon, and so if it doesn't stick through the other side, you're still going to see this gaping hole from the mortise, which is already cut. So what I ended up doing was just hacking the tenon off. So it, was, it still went in halfway into the leg, but didn't go all the way through, and then just made a fake tenon to stick on the other side to hide it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... But it, I mean, it's still a tenon. It's still functional. It's just... Yeah. Well, I had to do that. I totally forgot when I was building my Rubo. I did not show this on camera. I accidentally cut one of the stretchers because I'm so used to using the domino that when I'm doing mortise and tendon joinery, I think of, you know, floating and not, not, you know, not integral tenons, but, but floating tenons and cutting everything to the length it actually needs to be and not incorporating the lengths of the tendons themselves. So I cut one of the stretchers on the Rubo to length and you know this is already g- multiple lamination glue up and jointing and planing and getting it all squared up and so i had to use like four dominoes per side you know because <laughs> i was worried about it being strong enough and that was a that was a major doofus moment but uh man that's uh it happens, it happens. yeah it does i mean that's that's part of the reason that i build i build thing i don't like once I start on the project, I measure every piece. Like I don't, I don't like, ske- I don't draw everything up and then cut out all the pieces and assemble. Like I'll have, I'll have my SketchUp model done, but then I'll start and kind of like, go off of that. So if something is a bit shorter, then it doesn't throw off all of the pieces that I already had cut out. You know, it's kind of off topic, but it's just yep. a thought. Yeah, that's one of the fun things about hand tools is I tend to go slow enough that I catch it when I'm only like one into the problem. And, uh, I, I don't, I get that chance to think about it, but that still means there's one to fix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like with these chairs, I should have built five chairs because realistically, I think the biggest anxiety provoking part of it was knowing that, okay, I had all these legs with like, five different mortises cut in them at all different weird depths and locations. And if I screwed up one leg by cutting a giant hole where there didn't need to be a giant hole, then I'd have to go back and completely redo that. Whereas if I had like a chair that it didn't matter if I, if it had some errant holes in it, it would have allowed me, I think to like get through this stuff a lot quicker, but uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Well, cool. I think that probably covers that show topic, unless you guys got anything else you want to add. I don't want to talk about my failures anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, uh, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's like the, the old saying is, you know, I think the biggest part about being a woodworker is knowing how to cover up your mistakes. And that's, yes. uh, that's so true. So, I mean, it's, it's the same. It's, it's just life. I mean, like failing is, is failing is something that, if you're a human, you're going to do a lot of it. <laughs> totally. You know? Totally. Like Especially my, when my, you're learning new stuff, which is yeah. what we're doing all the time. Yeah. I mean, not just in like woodworking, but I mean, you can, you can find yourself living in Florida someday and be like, wow, <laughs> how did I get here? What but, have I done? But you with can my fix life? it. You can fix it. I mean, it's just a, just a little bit of a inconvenience yeah. for a while until, <laughs> you know, you figure out how to get out and yeah, move that's on. funny. That's funny. Nice. Well, uh, we've got a question from Raven's Path, but I think we'll save that for the after show because we're we're chugging right along here. Uh, we do have a joke of the week again. Uh, it's been a couple yes. weeks uh, dormant, but this one's uh, this one's pretty good from Matt Sola. Uh, so thank you, Matt, for sending that in. Uh, so, what did the eighty grit sandpaper say to the four hundred grit? You're so fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I thought that was pretty good. One. So thank That's you for that, really Matt. Good. Yeah, I think that is one of the better cheesy woodworking jokes we've had. So um, <laughs> if you guys want to submit those, uh, just go on the Crafted Podcast website. You got a contact form there. So uh, thanks for that. Yeah, I so I guess a, I saw a video this week of uh, a dad jokes contest. <laughs> Two guys sitting across the table telling yes. dad jokes to each other without trying to laugh. Nice. I saw that one this great. morning. It was really good. <laughs> that's funny that's funny <laughs> nice so uh what you guys been watching james i see you got something um black bear forge uh he just recently um well he's had a channel for a while but he's just recently started putting out more content and actually making it uh, a priority and he 
he is one of my favorite blacksmiths. He makes a lot of hand tools. Um, he also makes uh, traditional hinges and hardware, um, all blacksmith wrought. Beautiful, beautiful work. But the cool thing about the channel now is he's actually um, kind of changing it over. It used to be kind of advertisement for what he was doing, and now it is more, let me show you what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And so he's starting with a lot of the basics and training for blacksmithing and really goes into detail about a lot of the intricacies of it. And I love it. Um, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it so far. Yeah, that's awesome. I just, just subscribed. So, uh, that's, I, I know, I think I met him at WIA last year and his stuff is awesome. So yeah. I always love, he makes the Black coolest hold fast that have ever been made on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Those <laughs> things are awesome. So what about you, Zach? Um, so it's, uh, some different mediums this week. So I started watching Twin Peaks the other night. So I've heard people talking about it for a long time and uh, you've never seen Twin Peaks before. No. Like any of them? No, nope. oh, dude. Did you start from like episode one, season yep. one? I've just started. Uh, we just watched episode one last night, and Dude. I like where it's going. You are in for man, David Lynch, his weirdness. That the, show gets like, just real weird. The comedy, like the weird comedy in it, is oh so, yeah, like it's so strange. But oh yeah, no, I got I got on a heavy David Lynch kick after watching that, and you know then. Uh, Blue Velvet and Eraserhead, which is the weirdest movie I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he did uh, Mulholland Drive too, didn't he? Yep, yep. That was a weird one. That was he's a weird guy. I don't yeah. think he's ever made anything that's not weird. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, Twin Peaks gets super weird, and they just I guess have a new season now, which I need oh. to go watch. It's just uh, they've kind of brought it back. I think it's on Showtime. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it's outstanding. The movie is pretty good. Uh, fuck <laughs> me. You mean the the Twin uh, Peaks series? movie? Oh, there's a movie on it. Yeah, it's called Fire Walk with Me. I, huh. I got pretty heavy into Twin Peaks for a while, but uh, yeah, it's you're you're in for dude. <laughs> you haven't even begun to get into the crazy weirdness of Twin Peaks. It's, it's, it's you'll enjoy it's it. It's just I just love the humor that I've seen in it. It's so like non typical. Like it's oh yeah, so campy and weird. Yeah. So that and uh, so I don't I don't really play video games or anything, but uh, I somehow came across Civilization Six. I mean, when I was young, I used to play a game called Age of the Empires. It's like oh, a strategy classic. Game. Love that game. Yeah, um, but I started playing Civilization Six, and it's ruining my life. I need <laughs> to like, I need to beat it one time, and then I can like get my life together. <laughs> but uh it's it's crazy it's one of those games that like it takes all day like you'll start at six in the morning and be like oh i'm just gonna play it a cut an hour or two and drink some coffee and before you know it's like 4 p.m and like yeah you can't quit it's yeah. not healthy it's trying to broker a treaty with gandhi and like uh have you have all... you played it <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's it's i don't i can't think of any other game that has sucked so much productivity from my life there's a reason I don't put any games on my phone or computer. I get too addicted. <laughs> yeah, it's, World, it's... World of Warcraft did that for me in college. It was uh, <laughs> the least least productive two weeks of my life until my my wife, then girlfriend, basically forced me to quit, and that was a very good thing because it was <laughs> terribly unhealthy. Yeah. So That's funny. Nice. Cool. Well, I've got a couple picks this week. Um, one is this channel. It's funny because Paul from the Wood Knight mentioned this concept of Wabi Sabi in the uh, in the live chat, and there's a channel called Wabi Sabi, and uh, it's this guy and his girlfriend. They bought an old like farmhouse. I don't know where they're located. I think they're in Canada, but like super rural. Um, but they're basically just renovating this hundred year old barn or, or farmhouse, like one room at a time and just really well done, uh, really, you know, kind of cute couple, funny, um, and just DIY and the heck out of it. So I uh, saw them posted on Reddit uh, a couple of days ago and I think they have like seven or eight episodes of them kind of updating this farmhouse and just really cool stuff that I very much enjoy watching, but do not have much interest in doing myself. So, um, it's, uh, you know, like lots of 
stripping paint and you know chipping away old uh junk off of you know like brick chimneys and just you know lots of disgusting messy stuff but uh yeah cool cool stuff there um also bernie solo who i don't know if you guys are familiar with his yeah. channel work works, by, works solo. by solo yeah dude that dude is criminally underviewed so that that lamp he just built the mid-century modern concrete that's all the concrete yeah dude that, that thing is, is ridiculous. It's got like 500 views. I'm like, the video is incredibly well produced. Awesome project. I mean, just incredibly well executed. And uh, yeah, so I think him and I might try to work on a project together because he's just so good at the whole 3D modeling side. And it's something I'd like to get more into. And um, like I just posted this mid-century modern uh, like end table slash magazine rack on my uh Instagram that I saw the other day, really cool idea. They're kind of like combined so the end table has a hole in the top where you can kind of slide magazines down in. Really cool concept. But uh, it would be kind of perfect for CNC because it's a big kind of oval with another kind of oval inside of it and could do some cool stuff with it. But That, uh, that kind of reminds me of the magazine rack. So something else I've been digging into lately is uh, while I was traveling a little bit ago, I, I found a... Uh, um, popular, it's not popular. What is it? It's like home and garden or something like that from 1957 <laughs> magazine. And it's in like great condition. And it's so interesting just flipping through the pages and like just seeing how marketing was, like how graphics were, like how wording was, like the products and like. I mean, uh, the fact that washing machines weren't called washing machines, they were just called automatics. <laughs> like, that's how old it is. It's, it's just, it's weird. Um, but what's crazy about it is like, I mean, the advertisements for tools, and I mean, it's it's home and garden, but still, it's like, it shows you like fairly, like there was a, a thing I read last night. It was about uh, like eight types of ways to join wood together. And it had like detailed pictures of like bridal joints and dovetails. And it's like, this is a, this isn't even a woodworking book. This is just like a general. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how much, yeah. I feel like how much more your average person was capable of doing with their hands, you know, 70 years ago. This is I remember reading a magazine from the fifties that uh, they were talking about building a piece of furniture and the writer actually uh, was was asking forgiveness from the readers that he would just decide to flatten it with a hand plane rather than bringing out a, uh, a power planer for it. How the times have changed. That's funny. That is funny. Cool. Well, uh, I guess let's finish it up with favorite tool of the week. James, I see you got something. Oh, yeah. Uh, bad axe hand saws, um, which if you're anything into hand tools, bad axe, you know about them. They, they're out of La Crosse, Wisconsin, and they make a gorgeous, gorgeous back saws. Uh, but they just came out with a hand saw. And for those of you who don't know what it is, a hand saw is a panel saw that is longer than about 26 inches. Um, and it's, it's the big, large hand saw. And there, there was, there's one other company that makes them, but they're in Europe. And so this is really the only other company in the world that makes uh, traditional hand saws now. And they are absolutely gorgeous. And I'm so looking forward to getting my hands on one. Um, it's, this is like, this is a big, big thing in the hand tool world right now. They just yeah. announced it yesterday. So yeah, I heard uh, Shannon talking about it on wood talk and yeah. Uh, yeah, that thing looks awesome. It just looks like your old traditional, you know, when you think of a handsaw, like an old saw, that's exactly what I think of. And but it's yeah. just a much more updated version. Uh, well, that and they're also following the the foregrip hand, so it has the 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 thumb hole for the second hand, and it's a it's a beast of a saw. Nice, really, really gorgeous. That's awesome, man. That not cheap, dude. That's a not that's so. a spindy saw. Well, when you see they they actually there's a back bevel on them, so the back of the saw plate is thinner than the plate by the teeth. So they're actually ground at a slight angle to make them thinner so they don't bind up. Gotcha. Which um, that's just one of the many things you have to do to make a traditional handsaw. And they, they take a ton to build, but holy cow. Yeah, they're cool. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Zach, what about you, man? 
Um, so since I mentioned them earlier in the podcast and I use them quite a bit, they're, uh, I'm going to go with, um, the brass threaded inserts. So yeah, uh, if anybody didn't catch it earlier, it's just pretty much it has threads on the outside so that you can thread it into wood once you drill a hole. And it also has threads on the inside so you can put it into whatever and then attach it from the inside threads. Um, they're really cheap. You can get a pack of 25 for like eight bucks. And the two that I use are the quarter by 20 and the three eighths by 16, depending on what you're working with. Um, but they're just super handy to have around. If, if you have them in your shop, you will use them eventually. Yeah. That's what I use for the tap handles was a three eight by 16 one. Um, but for some reason, would not thread into the resin. I just it just broke hmm. both the resin and the insert. So, um, in case you're trying to do that ever, before I knew those existed, like I did a, a custom tap handle for somebody, and I just got two nuts, <laughs> threaded them onto a rod, and welded them together, and then ground nice. it smooth. It works, nice. but yeah, yeah, it was really. I mean. I just ended up drilling an oversized hole and epoxying it into place and, you know, threaded a, a nut in there so the epoxy didn't get into the threads and uh, worked great. But I wish, because, yeah, threading those threaded inserts in is a lot easier. Um, have you tried, I mean, I know Mark from Wood Whisperer just came out with these, you know, taps designed for wood, but have you ever tried tapping the wood itself? Mm -mm. It's pretty amazing the strength that... Yeah. Uh, threading into wood has i mean andy klein who i guess co-developed the uh thread taps with mark and they did some testing and pretty awesome stuff i mean I, i've really well, i mean i guess i guess technically inserts, those brass inserts i mean you are actually threading the outer threads into the wood yeah exactly well and those things are i mean since they're brass they will break on you like occasionally like when i've when i'm threading them in um you know it has like almost like a flathead screw insert looking thing on the ends of them that you can use a little tool to thread them in with um and sometimes there's a little see here's here's what i've here's my understanding of this those the things that you would think you would use a screwdriver to insert those with those are actually that actually goes down into the cover. wood and it actually so see, it, I have it goes in little it goes in tool. backwards and then here's how I do it. I just have a uh, uh, a bolt or like a section of thread, and I screw uh, two nuts on it, and then just use a socket. So the mm -hmm. the yeah. the two nuts jam. butt up against. Yeah, it's a jam nut, and then you use that to turn it in. Because one of my first videos, I did it that way, where like I had the the flathead looking thing up top, and I got like 20 comments. They're like, yeah, it's really poor i mean it's really uh not what you would think you have to flip it upside down and actually yeah, cleans they make out a the... tool that drives them in with that well that's what I they have. drive yeah. they go in so much easier the other way yeah so i got that tool from mcmaster car and yeah. you know when i was trying to thread it into the resin obviously it was just way too difficult so they would have broken either way but uh yeah. I've just been very impressed with tapping directly into wood because it's just one less step. It's yeah. just easy and they're never crooked and, you know, like it's, uh, they can't break, obviously. So, uh, well, the shearing strength of a hardwood is, is rather phenomenal. Um, so it, it's not something that's going to pull out under any normal stress. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, that's what I used on the river table. Uh, and that's what I used for those coffee tables I built for my parents. So crazy, crazy strong, though. So. Um, so my pick of the week is, I mean, it's not really a tool, but it's something you use in your shop all the time. It's those 3M work tunes, which I actually bought while you guys were up here. Um, and I bought Bluetooth, a pair as soon as I got home. Yeah, dude. Bluetooth, noise, you know, uh, reducing whatever headphones. And they're comfortable. I mean, they're huge, but they're comfortable and they sound good. And the battery life lasts like forever. And man, I've, I've been crushing some podcasts the last couple of days. Um, it's been, been really good. So yeah, those, definitely those dig those awesome. things. I second those. Yeah, for sure. I like it. They did design them like after like the early nineties running <laughs> like radio yeah. headphones that are just gigantic with an antenna off they're, the side. Enormous. Like, I, I've considered <laughs> cutting the antenna off cause I will never listen to the radio with them. And the antenna just gets in the way sometimes. Um, uh, but I have not done that yet. Um, 
Cool. Well, I guess that'll do it for this week. Thanks to everybody for listening. Um, yeah, I, I, Paul in the live chat, just on the note of headphones, he mentioned isotunes, which is something I haven't used yet, but I plan on it. So um, that that seems to be a, a good brand for sure. A lot, a lot lower profile than the 3M. So um, yeah. So anyway, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, live chat people, stick around for the after show. Um, if you guys listening on the feed want to hear the after show, you can check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash crafted podcast. It is, I think, $5 a month to get the weekly after show, and that really helps to support the show. Uh, we don't do any advertising or anything on the show, so Patreon is our main means of support. So thanks again, guys, and until next week, happy building. See ya. Take care.